Hello, and thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Minister John Richard, and this podcast is an account of this week's Bible study. I pray that it blesses and strengthens you in Jesus' name. If you are looking for more of the Word or are searching for the notes that were used in this week's lesson, please feel free to check the links in the description. Enjoy the Bible study and be blessed. Heavenly Father, we come before you in prayer just saying thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you so much for all that you do for us on a daily basis, Father. And God, we can't begin to even thank you enough for all that you've done for us in our lives up until this point. Father, I ask that you would sit me, J.R., the man down there, that you, O sovereign Lord, would rise up big inside of me, placing your words upon my lips, having your way in my life, Father. Lord, speak to all of our hearts, those of us who are gathered here today and those who will listen later on. It's these things we thank you for. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, everyone. So for a Bible study tonight, I simply want to talk to you about love. I won't be before you long, but hopefully what the Lord has to say will get through to your heart. So before we begin and look at our scripture, I, I want to share something. Um, this past month up until maybe a week ago um yeah about a week ago which was let's say around april 4th 5th ish something like that um around march 9th <clears throat> i began having some trouble sleeping at night um, now, I've always been a, a very strange sleeper in terms of I would go to sleep whenever, but when I would go to sleep, I would sleep. Um, so the issue was never staying asleep. It was just when I would go to sleep. But between like March 9th and like April 4th or 5th, I don't really remember the exact day. I had trouble actually staying asleep. And at first, um, I thought it was because I was sick. It was right around um, our spring break out here. And I had a really bad, like, head cold from allergies because, you know, Texas is very bipolar. The weather kept shifting. It kept getting weird. It was hot. It was cold. And before I knew it, I had developed something just because of that strange weather and because of a very high pollen count out here. Now. After I had recovered, I still had a very hard time sleeping and I began to pray like I've never prayed before because God, I've never had this issue. I don't know what to do. I had shared it uh, maybe a few lessons ago about that, about one of the things that it led me to about God giving sleep to, you know, his chosen, giving rest to his chosen. And about a an article that I had read where a where a minister had said that she had been facing that similar issue. But what she discovered was, is that maybe when something like that occurs, it's because God needs us to lean on him in this department, too, so that we can get closer to him in a certain capacity so that we can overcome things. Well, in that almost 30 day span of very little to no sleep. Usually we find ourselves being very short with uh, one another. We tend to be more uh, 
temperamental. We fly off the handle a lot easier when we're sleep deprived. We, you know, we're we're more eager to get angry, not because we want to, but because we just haven't been getting enough rest. Well, in that time span, I found myself honestly more peaceful, not because I was exhausted, but because I just I was praying and I'm like, God, look, I trust you. This has to serve a purpose. And up until last week, I finally was able to start really sleeping through the night again. And I thank God. And what I realized in that process was that God was answering a prayer for me that I had been praying for a very long time. And that prayer was that I would stop being so numb stop being so closed off and more open to be more empathetic to show more compassion to give more grace and all of that stems from God's love and so when I could finally sleep again uh, this past week um, a friend had well not a friend but a family member had gotten ill and it you know, it just it, it came to a point to where something I never saw myself doing in my life, I ended up doing not because it's a bad thing, but because I just wasn't there compassion wise to be able to do said thing. But having done it for this past week. Has really and I, I talked to granny about this, it's, it's really been a blessing for me to see the growth that God has blessed me with in this capacity to, to be more compassionate, to be more empathetic, to be more considerate and thoughtful and caring to just do all of these things. And it's, it's just something that can only really stem from love. So with that being said, we're gonna just spend a few moments and we're gonna take a look at First Corinthians chapter 13, verses four through seven, which teaches us about what love is. And for the purposes of tonight, I'm going to be reading for you. The amplified version of the Bible, and it says that love endures with patience and serenity. Love is kind and thoughtful and is not jealous or envious. Love does not brag and is not proud or arrogant. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not provoked, nor overly sensitive and easily angered. It does not take into account a wrong endured. It does not rejoice at injustice, but rejoices with the truth when right and truth prevail. Love bears all things, regardless of what comes. It believes all things, looking for the best in each one. It hopes all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times, and it endures all things without weakening. Now, for the purposes of Bible study, I would like to go over these short verses and really just break them down for a moment. So, again, the Bible says that love endures with patience and serenity. Patience being one of the most important qualities of the fruit of the spirit is something that we develop over our lifetime. 
And it's not something that you develop once, but it's something that you begin, that God begins inside of you and that you continually and continually, and I do mean continually, you work on, you work at it, you work at having it, you work at showing it, you work at at using it. It's something that you continually have to put forth into practice for it to not only grow, but for it to show its dividends inside of you. God, on levels we cannot even begin to describe, is patient with us. We're slow. We mess up all the time. We make mistakes. Sometimes we just flat out choose to do the wrong thing because that's just who we are as a species called humans. But God's love for us, his agape, his unfailing, unmoving love, it's it's super patient. And I, I thank God for that, because I mean, without it, where where would we be if Jesus hadn't decided to get on that cross for you and for me? It says love is kind and thoughtful. That's kind of self-explanatory. Whenever we do something out of love, we don't do it seeking to get something in return. We don't do it seeking to be paid for it or even to be noticed for it. Honestly, we simply do it because love says this person or this group of people can truly benefit from whatever it is that I'm about to do, whether it's give my time, give my resources, introduce whatever. But in doing so, I'm doing this simply because God's love is the thing that's guiding me, not my love. My love by human standards is superficial and it's too temperamental. But God's love does not work in the way that our love does. And I thank him for that. And so it, it just thinks about the next person. It considers the next person. It wants to honor the next person. Not that it's seeking anything else except that that same love is returned. That's all God's love wants for us. Jesus bore it all for you and for me so that we could have a chance to actually live life. And that life is fulfilled when we live life in his love. At least that's what the Bible says. It's not jealous or envious. Love doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't hold grudges like we do. It doesn't brag. It's not proud. It's not arrogant. <laughs> you know, if God wanted to, he could brag day and night. And who would we be to, to fault him for it? Because, I mean, he is the creator of everything. But his love isn't out here trying to, to make a point in terms of that he is the almighty. He's already made the point by dying on Calvary for you and for me. But what his love does for us is that it keeps us humble. It reminds us that no matter where we come from, even God himself chose to come down in a barn through the birth canal like we do to be born in a manger, which is a feeding trough for an animal to be wrapped in swaddling clothing, as the Bible says, which is nothing more than rags. All so that he could die for you and for me. I mean, if that isn't a good example of his ultimate love for us, and as Jesus would later go on to say that there is no greater love than for a man to lay his life down for a friend, and he calls us friends. Because God doesn't want us to say to stay slaves to sin. He's already paid that price. He wants us to be free and walk in kinship with him. To be family. To, to be the friend, to be the child, to be the student, 
to be the representative so that others can see that, yes, there is real love in this world and his name is Jesus. And if we would just wear him like we're taught to wear him, well, then lives would get saved and people would actually begin to change because it's not coming from a human effort, which fails and cannot produce the things of God. But it comes from a heavenly effort, which is eternal. And unlike us, it doesn't decay. Everything God has is a forever thing. While us, we have a it's coming to an end thing. But I thank him that he works this way. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not provoked. And most importantly, it's not overly sensitive or easily angered. You know, we like to, to tease the people that are too sensitive. Every little thing sets them off or, you know, may hurt their feelings in a way. But real love isn't budged by the simple things in life. And it doesn't easily get ticked off because something happened. It doesn't take into account the wrong endured. And I think we can all say amen to that part, because if God would take into account all the things that we do from the time we're born just to this current moment, the the whole state of humanity back in the Old Testament when he was getting ready to flood the world because he was thoroughly disgusted and had regretted ever creating us because we kept stepping out on him. That same God who spared but eight people, who repopulated the earth, who made a promise to bring forth his seed, to bring forth our salvation, the same promise he made in the garden that came all those generations later. His miraculous plan to make sure that we understand that we have a great need and he is the only one that can meet that need. The only one who can supply it, the only one who can get us through and can take us not to where we want to be, but to where we need to be. Because there's a big difference. I don't know where I would want to be, but I do know that God knows where I need to be. And love, according to my favorite scripture, says that he knows the plans that he has for you and for me, that they're for good and not for evil to prosper us, to give us a hope and a future or to lead us into an expected end. Love has already charted out the way, has chosen the best course of action and simply wants you to hold his hand so he can lead you to and through your journey. That's how God works. It does not rejoice at injustices, but rejoices with the truth. When right and truth prevail, love bears all things, regardless of what comes. I could sit here all night and share personal stories and testimonies of how good God's love is, not only from him straight to me, but from him through my grandmother, who is in the next room, who sat with me through my years where I was being a complete doofus, who through it all, continued to love me and taught me one of the most important lessons I've learned in my life thus far, that when you truly love someone, you place them in God's hands. It doesn't mean that you love that person any less. It means that you trust God enough to let him cover that person, to let him get them through their shortcomings, their low point, their bottom of the barrel, their chosen expedition outside of the correct parameters that God has already set. You just love people through 
you support them the best way you can without supporting the sins that they may be getting into. You can love a person and hate their sins just like God does with us. He loves us dearly. He does not like or approve our sins. But what he does do is that he provides grace and mercy for when the uh-ohs happen. He's stern for when we make the mis- for when we just choose to do wrong. He corrects us. He disciplines us. He gets us back on track until we get to a point to where certain things are no longer as enticing as they used to be. Where once I might have fallen off the bandwagon as quick as me snapping my fingers. Now it would take so much work for the enemy to try to get me back to that place because God has removed those sins from me as far as the east is to the west. They'll never come back. And I thank him for that so much. So I'm truly grateful that he he bears these things with us, that he places people in our lives who are filled with his love that can do the same thing. Because we know the, the, the saying around the, the Christian community, those who are forgiven a lot are the ones who usually are the quickest to forgive. And I'm right here. I've been forgiven for so much, not just by God, but the countless people in my life that he's blessed me to, to have. Because sometimes I, I'm going to just tell on me I can be a real knucklehead real idiotic at times, but I thank him that his love, his grace, his mercy, and most of all, his patience is at work in those that he's handcrafted in my personal community to help keep pushing me forward. Look, I know this happened, but I'm still here for you. And then when the Holy Spirit convicts me of it, I can be godly enough, not right, but godly enough to go own up for my issues and my mistakes and ask for forgiveness so that when the forgiveness is given unto me, that not only can we move forward because now I'm righting my wrongs, but now we can move forward having used love as the, we'll say the battleground to help us get through this particular wilderness of our life. And I really am grateful for that. Love believes all things, looking for the best in each one, which simply means that love is <laughs> it's always looking for that bright light at the end of the tunnel, as the cliche says. It hopes all things remaining steadfast during difficult times. Again, as I just said, I cannot thank God enough for the love he has for me, for you, for all of us and for simply doing all the things that he does. And at the very end, it endures all things without weakening. Meaning that God's love and our life, it doesn't have an expiration date. The agape love, his perfect love between him and us, it transforms into the various types of love that we as people can show to one another. The 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 storgy love, uh, thank you, Granny, for my dictionary words, or the love between family members or people that you consider family. That kind of love is one that's built in community, the love that God has made available to help us understand his great love for us. The filio or the brotherly love between friends, the love that you build when you meet a person and then you begin to build a relationship with them. The same love that we also too share with God because he calls us friend. 
When we meet God for self, God knows everything about us, but we have a whole lot to learn about him. So as we embark upon our journey, just like in friendship, we begin to open up to God, to be able to trust God and different capacities of our life to say, Father, maybe I haven't been brave enough to let you in my life in this capacity, but I'm going to go ahead and trust you because you've brought me too far to leave me now. And then there is the, the, the Eros love that is shared between you and a spouse, the love that defines what the relationship is like between God and the church. You know, we're described as the bride of Christ. We are one body whose, whose head is Jesus himself. Now, for anybody who would want to be all weird, no, that does not mean that God wants some weird relationship with us. But what it does mean is that the same love that the Lord has for us, his church, is the same love that a man should show his wife. That's what the Bible tells us, that if you really want to emulate what God is doing and you're blessed with a wife, because the Bible says a man who finds a wife finds a good thing. Keyword being find. You got to go looking. It's that when you get there, you treat your your gift from God, your rib, as we'll say. You treat her the same way that Christ treats the church. And in doing so, it erases every worry, every doubt, every little thing from your partner's mind because now they can trust you in the same way that we trust God. Does that mean you won't make mistakes? No, of course not. We're people. But what it does mean is that when God is the covering for any relationship in your life, that no matter what happens between you and that other person, when God is the one who's put that thing together, because it's his love that has you and that other person rooted and grounded, that when something happens, to try to want to force you apart. God's love is the thing holding you to an orbit of each other, that the love that you individually have with God will say that, Lord, I love you so much that I love you more than this person, which is the right thing to do. So because of my great love for you, I ask that not only would you heal them and help us fix this, but that you would heal me too, because of my part. Love isn't a one-way street. It's a it's a two-way. The things that we go to God with, we should be leaving with something as well. We go to him with our issues, with our mistakes, our problems, our shortcomings. We should be leaving with a better sense of who we are inside of him because Jesus is our identity, a better capacity to emulate his love more patience because patience is the thing that's mentioned so often throughout the New Testament, saying in various passages that what we need in this present moment is patient endurance. Patience is an enduring quality. It's something that you have to build. It has to be tempered. Like when you put uh, any form of iron working inside of, of a heat source, it has to be tempered. When it's tempered, it comes out and it's worked on so that it can be refined, hardened, more durable, and it will last longer. And it's just like our sanctification process. Everything God allows to happen in our life is to temper us to be able to trust him in a greater capacity. In the same way, everything that we go through 
in this life, aside from tempering our faith, is to temper our love with God. Because the more we can allow God's love into our heart, the more we can let that love be set free into this world, into another person's life, into a community where there may not be love to help change people's lives. Not because you've sold money or things into their life, but because you've given them the thing that they desperately needed the most. And that was love. If I didn't have a single technological item in my life, to help make Bible study available to you like it is right now. If I only had God's love or the love that we are filled with that comes straight from him, then that would be more than enough. Because as Paul said, he's learned the secret to living this life, whether he's on the up and up or on the down. The secret to living in every capacity of life is to have Jesus and to have a relationship with God is to have love because he is love. So the moral of this story simply is, is that when certain things happen, for the namesake of our ministry, let's change our perspective. Let's try to see what amazing thing God is getting ready to do in our lives. Because when your capacity for love grows, at whatever point it grows, your outlook on life, like it just happened for me in this past span of a month, begins to drastically change. You begin to look at things differently. You begin to pray differently. You begin to want to move differently. Not because you're looking for something in return, but simply because you want to sow more of God's love. And sowing love out of love is arguably one of the greatest things we can do. It's better to give than to receive. It's much better to be obedient than to make sacrifices. And above all else, it is such a wonderful thing to be an open vessel for God's love so that we can pour it back out onto the people who desperately need it the most, so that when they receive what it is that they need, not only can they be healed, but they'll be put into a very precarious situation to where they'll want to do the exact same thing, which means they themselves will have a burning desire to get closer to the master all for themselves, not just because you said it, but because his love lit a fire. And once that fire is lit, it's impossible to put it out. So Heavenly Father, we come before you in prayer just saying thank you, Lord. We thank you so much for your unfailing love, your patience, your tenderness, your everything that you share with us, God. Father, we would be absolutely nothing without you. But because we have you, we can be any and everything that you have already predestined us to be. God, thank you so much for equipping us to do every good work that you've prepared for us, for continuously working on us, Father, for allowing the trials and tribulations to perfect our faith, for helping us acknowledge where our weaknesses are so that your strength can be made perfect in those areas. And God, above all else, for your unfailing love, which covers our lives, which humbles us, which keeps us on this straight and narrow to where we, too, can be just like the Bible said. We can be trees of living fruit on the side of the river bread so that the dying nations can receive what it is that they need to not only be saved, but to reach salvation. So, Father, we just say thank you. Lord, we love you so much. And we ask that you would continually pour out your love on us so that we can reciprocate it to the next person in need. 
It's these things we thank you for. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, family. I pray the lesson has blessed you in some way, shape, form, or fashion today. Each week, we hold Bible study on Zoom, and it would be wonderful to share this experience with you. If something was said that resonated with you and you aren't a part of the family, I would like to open the invitation to join. I pray that the Lord blesses you in all of your endeavors and that you chase after the prize, which is Jesus. See you next week, God willing, and be blessed. Thank you.